Good evening, you fantastic and glorious degenerates of this floating rock that we call Earth. Welcome back to the Cajun Libertarian Live, or the Cajun Libertarian Show, sorry. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian, Noel Olin. And tonight we have a very special guest on, Mr. Joe Soloski, who's running for governor of Pennsylvania. So let's get into that phenomenal conversation just right now, coming up next on the Cajun Libertarian Show. to the Cajun Libertarian Show. I am your host, Noelle Lynn, a.k.a. the Cajun Libertarian. And tonight, as we lead off with our first sponsor, we're going to roll with Mr. Joe Soloski himself, the man of the hour. JoeSoloski.com for Pennsylvania Governor, the key to Pennsylvania success. So go check him out, JoeSoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. JoeSoloski.com. Com. Without further without further ado, let's bring on Joe, the man of the hour. <laughs> Joe, how are you? <laughs> Thank you, Noel. What a wonderful introduction. I, I appreciate it, sir. No, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being a sponsor of the show. And might I add, the longest running sponsor of this program uh, that a lot of people enjoy and watch. So, sir, we thank you a lot. It's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The honor is all mine. Like I was telling you before, and I wanted to, I wanted to mention this because uh, it's been a while that you've been sponsoring the show and you have literally helped pay our bills. That's how important ads and sponsors are over two years. We've lived in the same house with the same bills while I've continuously gained raises and sponsors and downloads that get paid for the show. Mm. However, my wife has now been forced back into the workforce uh. because of the inflationary cost. That is not a joke. That is not hyperbolic, people. That is very real. Same, same bills, raises plus mm -hmm. more income coming just from me, and yet we still cannot afford them any longer because of what's going on with inflation. So Joe, thank you for helping us out. And thank you to my other sponsors, which we will get to here in a few minutes. But uh, what's it looking like for you in Pennsylvania with everything going on inflationary wise and, and with the Fed hiking, uh, hiking up the interest rates? Tell us about it. I tell you, these, uh, these duopoly inflation increases all caused by both the Republicans and the Democrats printing money, 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 uh, gosh. Hmm. Uh, they are our worst enemy. Absolutely. Uh, and every state, you know, has to deal with it. Just Pennsylvania does too. The fact that we have the second highest, uh, gasoline and diesel fuel taxes in the nation makes it tougher here, uh, than a few places, I'm sure. Uh, let's face it though. We Americans are resilient. We're going to, uh, constantly be victorious in spite of our government that's the always the the mode of operation that we all have to work within and uh yes. we beat them at their own game every time but we have to keep focused and keep working on beating them uh minimizing government cutting spending <laughs> eliminating taxation uh it's all crazy here in pennsylvania our, our taxes are way too high uh, our spending has doubled in just 20 years. Government spending has doubled, actually more than doubled. Uh, my plan as governor is going to be to cut that budget by at least 5% per year, every year that I'm in office. Uh, that'll be a huge improvement. If we can do that, if we can also be cutting taxation, we can make Pennsylvania a tax haven. And uh, at that point, Amen. Pennsylvania will be a lot better place for businesses and individuals to uh to live and thrive. Yeah, 100% agree. So let, let, let's uh, stay on Pennsylvania for a second. Mm -hmm. I know that you guys, I just had Nicole on, your 
candidate. I saw Lieutenant that. Governor Nicole Schultz yeah. had mm-hmm. her on last week. Great. You guys have a massive two two massive uh, industries. That, I know you have more than that, obviously, but I want to focus on these two. You have uh, the uh, the drilling, sla- mm-hmm. you know, oil and gas mm-hmm. industry that's huge in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and you have the agriculture in oh, Pennsylvania, huge. Both of which affect the United States as a as a whole. So mm-hmm. tell us mm-hmm. what what's going wrong in Pennsylvania with those two departments and how, how can we get back to fixing that well i tell you i can say so much but first uh when it comes to agriculture you know and nicole that was a great interview you did with nicole she uh thank you she's a lot smarter about agriculture than this guy let me tell you and i i lean on her for issues like that um but one of the things i always point out that's that's just off kilter here in pennsylvania uh the dairy industry the dairy industry is big but we have this thing called the Pennsylvania Milk uh, Marketing Board. And it, there's actually five zones in Pennsylvania where they actually set dairy milk prices. And I think it is constantly um, a, a problem. It, it doesn't accomplish anything great. They need to leave. You know, price fixing never works. Uh, wage controls don't work. Rent controls don't work. Price fixing doesn't work. All it does is cause shortages. Uh, now, I don't think we have shortages of milk, but I do think the pricing should be better left to the individual farmers. Uh, that's one area that I think is just totally off kilter in, in the ag- whole agriculture industry. Uh, when it comes to oil and gas drilling, uh, spe- specifically on natural gas, uh, that's the fracking industry. Fracking right. is very big here in Pennsylvania. And um, fracking is safe. Uh, there are people who argue that it's not, but it is. And we uh, are getting great jobs brought to this state through the fracking industry. We are extracting natural gas that previously could not have even been extracted. Uh, that's a plus for everybody because that helps hold energy prices down. Uh, those are two areas. Uh, to, that, that's an industry that's, I just think, a phenomenal uh, cash cow for Pennsylvania. Those great paying jobs have only increased PA's tax coffers. But Pennsylvania, like most governments, they always want to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. And this is a perfect example. Uh, they want to put uh, severance fees and other taxes on the natural ga- gas fracking uh, industry. And if, as they do that, if they accomplish it, all they're going to do is scare those industries back out of the state to go to other places where it's more economically feasible to extract that natural resource. So, uh, yeah, those are a couple of things that uh, and big industries, uh, you know, we, we need to take care of them. We need to be attracting more businesses to Pennsylvania. That's by cut, why cutting spending and cutting taxation, you know, states like Tennessee, Texas, Florida, they don't have income taxes. Uh, business-friendly states don't have income taxes. We've got a corporate income tax. Uh, we've got a corporate capital stock tax. We've got personal income taxes. No, it, it puts us at a competitive disadvantage. Uh, I would like to see those minimized or eliminated. Uh, and it can be done, but we've got to be cutting our spending. And you know, our, our state budget was $20 billion in 2002, the operating portion that they always talk about, $20 billion. Um, it's now about $42 billion, just 20 years later. So it's more than doubled. Gosh. And the money keeps rolling in. We, we, we do not have a revenue problem here in Pennsylvania. We've got a government spending problem. They just can't quit spending, and they're constantly looking for new, uh, new tax re- revenue uh, avenues. Uh, For the first time, both parties seem like they're really interested in legalizing marijuana, uh, which just a few years ago, neither of them even wanted to touch. Well, the only reason, even though it should have never been banned, uh, and it's not as dangerous as even a a beer or a cocktail, uh, the only reason they're getting on on board with that right now is they can, they see a new tax revenue stream. Just like they did with casino gambling here in Pennsylvania. And they're constantly going to be going after those areas where they can continually tax us. Uh, 
I'm the only candidate that's talking about turning that backwards and uh, minimizing these costs. That that's excellent. So um, I want to I want to talk about that as well for a second. L let me go back to uh, fracking real quick. Now yes. there's a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about what's happening with the Biden administration and oil production. A lot of which is valid. Some of which is not exactly applicable because there's a lot of details and information out there mm -hmm. that is just not necessarily mis or disinformation, but maybe just misleading information. So, yeah. but in you, what you're experiencing, how much of what's happening in the fracking industry is your local government between your governorship, your legislators, your, your, you know, your state elected mm -hmm. officials, and how much of it is the federal government? And what can we do to uh, make sure that that comes back to local Pennsylvania law and, and that way that it can be cured and you can have those jobs back in Pennsylvania like you're talking Absolutely. about? Absolutely. That's massive. I, I see the biggest impact at the state level. You know, where I see our current Governor Wolf, he has always wanted to put uh, a fracking severance fee, a fracking tax, so to speak, on that industry. Uh, and they always window dress it as this wonderful thing that's so fair. Yeah, it's fair, all right. Yeah, you're just going to scare these jobs away. And that's not good for the state. It is wonderful that, you know, th th there's all sorts of businesses, industries that can come in. This is a high paying industry. And very high paying. Exactly. Uh, because there's risk involved also when you're in, in those uh, in those drilling fields. But you know, the, the, the high pay goes with the risk. I want to keep those jobs here, uh, hopefully expand upon them. And when they when they talk about the safety of it all, um, I, I point out to people, fracking natural gas, they are drilling down so deep. They are well beyond even the water table. Uh, and they are not damaging any anything on the surface. You know, all you have is a typical core. Uh, that just like you have with any gas drill, any oil drilling, that you have a core that's set down. Uh, and once it's down that deep, well below anything it could damage, they're extracting natural gas. They're not harming a darn thing. Yet you have a lot of people uh, that want to turn, you know, kind of like what they did to the nuclear industry in the late 70s, early 80s. They vilified the nuclear industry. I'm a big nuclear guy. I want to see us put more Amen. nuclear uh, power plants online here in Pennsylvania. We have several. I'd like to see us have a lot more. But uh, I, I think I, I can't recall the exact number, but I think something in the last 40 years, I think the nation's put on maybe one uh, new plant. I mean, that's a shame. Yeah. It's clean. It's safe. Uh, I know I'm off on a tangent here, but but we need to be expanding no, no. on nuclear. No, I like your tangent. That's why I blew you up big because I wanted people to understand this. There's a, cool. so much misconception about your fracking and your drilling, what's going on right there. I wanted people to hear that and really focus in on it because it's absolutely safe. It's absolutely working and provides so much monetary value within the state of Pennsylvania and within local income families uh, and also throughout the country. A lot of people understand how big of a state Pennsylvania is when it comes to the oil and gas industry and how much revenue and income it drives into the plus margin of mm -hmm. the rest of the country. Absolutely. And we need more of that. You know, I look at what goes on in California recently, mm -hmm. you know, here they're, they're virtually outlawing uh, selling any internal combustion cars after 2035. Right. Now, that, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be tons of them. There's going to be plenty of them still running on California roads, but they're basically sending a clear signal. Uh, they're going electric. They're going EVs, and they don't want gasoline cars in their state. Meanwhile, they have no power to even charge them. Incredible. Uh, yeah, and and I think uh, earlier this year, uh, last winter, there was a major um, traffic pile up and crash uh, on Interstate 80 in through Northern Pennsylvania. It wasn't cleared up for two days. Now, mind you, this is winter. It's that. snow. It's ice. Yep. It's cold. Yep. There are people that didn't make it out of their cars for two days. Can you imagine 
being in an electric vehicle, uh, after a certain period of time, you couldn't even move, I'm sure. Uh, now those things are a hazard. <laughs> so uh, I could go on and on about those. I know there's disposal yeah. problems with uh, EV batteries. That's uh, right, 100%. We, yes. And I don't know why they're pushing them so hard. And worse, I don't know why government's subsidizing them so much. Because sooner or later, you're going to have massive problems with these battery uh, disposals. Yeah, um, I can tell you what I think is going on. And you can, uh, you know, feel free to disagree or say, no, that's just kind of crazy nonsense or whatever. Uh, personally, I believe this to be the absolute truth. Uh, if we're looking at models for which we have this ES, I don't know how familiar you are with ESG, environmental, social justice and governance. Uh, it's, it's a social credit score. Oh, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, really. We but could spend an hour or two on that. Absolutely. There's a ton of of uh, companies that are are going into that now. But I'll tell you what I believe that they want, because if you see, there's two main um, avenues of rhetoric coming from the federal government when it comes to gas powered automobiles right now. Number one, it's switched to electric vehicles. Okay, number two, it switched to, um, you know, mass population transit, mm. buses and, and subways and, and such. Mm. Okay, now we just saw what happened in Colorado, where their electrical system, their heating and air system was digitally hooked to the electric company, which was being told what to do by the governor of Colorado, and they shut their freaking air conditioner off. Mm. I think personally... That's what they want, because I'm sorry, it's not a wide stretch of the imagination that government wants control over every oh, aspect of your life. Absolutely. So why wouldn't they want to be able to shut your car down whenever you violate one of the ES or G's or any other arbitrary uh, rule that they put in place? Sure, you don't sure. do what they want, X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, they can shut you down. You can't go to work. You can't go right. here. You can't go there. That's right. They have just they have just um, seized, for all intents and purposes, all of your resources. Uh, and if you can't make it to work, if you can't get to, from point A to point B, uh, you're pretty helpless. Uh, another thing you had mentioned, like social credit scores, uh, one of the things I'm very very wary of, uh, especially at the federal government level, how they you keep hearing talk about them wanting to eliminate cash, go to a cashless society. Right. I think that'd be a horrible disaster because now they will be able to not only know every move you make, every penny you spend, but you know they will at that moment be able to effectively implement, whether they ever admit to it or not, a social credit system. And they will indeed own your life. We can't ever let that happen. Uh, we have to fight them tooth and nail on that. Yeah, 100%. Because if, if they get control over, and they're already working on this. I've, I've spoke about this several times, mm -hmm. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking about it. Um, just, it wasn't that long ago, maybe two months ago, where a lady from the World Economic Forum was saying that the Western civilization, specifically, she was talking about Canada, the United States, uh, were on the brink of a federal digital coin, right? So doing away with the fiat currency which on its face sounds good if you don't know anything about what government does. Sure. But 12 seconds of government research says, well, if they have a digital coin and that's our national currency, well, then they can just cut it off. Absolutely. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you don't have access to your bank account. All of a sudden, you don't have access to any of your funds. If you have any socked away, you can't sell or trade it. Uh, all of a sudden, you could be homeless. Yep. Think about that. Uh, they could compromise all of your resources and we have to be on guard about this. My fear is that too many people don't even focus on it. Yeah. And, well, and you're right. That is the biggest one for sure. 100%. Yeah. The good news is, is that amongst one of the other many blessings that the COVID tyranny era gave us, it supplied a lot of people with red pills. And before you all, that don't understand red pill is not a Republican stance. I have to habitually say this and it's sad. I guess it's because of my age, 
the red pill is a matrix reference. Yes. Right? So yes. the blue pill means you get you stay plugged into the system and unaware and asleep. Yes. The red pill means you take it and then you gain all of the knowledge of what's going actually going on behind the scenes. It has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. But you actually see it. People got red. Yep, you actually see what's actually happening. And me and my wife have been talking about this recently because we do so much research and travel so many rabbit holes. We're like, man, sometimes it would have been okay to take the blue pill, but mm. then we would be left fightless. We would have yes. no knowledge in our uh, arsenal to be able to combat the system with. And yes. so it's it's bittersweet, right? But to, to, to know this and to wake up to this and to see what their plans are is not only frightening, but it also, for me, provides that white pill. It's that pill of hope. It's that mm. light on the horizon saying, like that. we actually know what's going on, and now we just have to feed other people this same information so that we can carry forward and move on. And we got to start in battleground states like Pennsylvania, which, which you were a great example of what you were just talking about was cannabis. Mm -hmm. And the I'm a red pill again here. Okay, since I just explained it, I'll have to explain it again. Medical cannabis saves lives. Yes. Pharmaceutical yes. medication destroys lives. Absolutely. Now, you know why cannabis has been outlawed. Not you, Joe. I know you know this. Sure. I'm talking to everybody else. Right mm -hmm. now, that is why cannabis has been illegalized for so long, because it was such a freaking detrimental uh, reward to the oil-based, petroleum-based mm -hmm. pharmaceutical company. So tell us uh, what we can do in pencil, or um, give, give me your thoughts on that, and then keep well, going about PA. I think I think one of the things we have to guard against is we can't, as, as things, and, and I'm not for legalization, I'm for full decriminalization. Decriminal. Big difference, big difference. So the, the drug war has failed. We've ruined too many lives incarcerating people for holding uh, onto a, a flower pot, which is the, you know, the equivalent of holding a geranium. Uh, cannabis is no different. You can have that marijuana plant. You're not hurting anyone. And I think you should be able to grow it in your own window boxes. Okay. And okay. hey, I, I've never used marijuana. I'm just looking at it from the logical point of view. You should be able to put anything into your body that you want. It's your business. I don't care if you want to sell a kidney. You should be able to do that, you know, uh, just if you want to smoke marijuana. I got news for you. If I ever end up in a situation where I'm having to experience daily chronic pain yeah. and I know that medical marijuana or recreational marijuana is going to give me some relief, I'm the first one in line, buddy. And I think everybody else should get the same shot and we don't have to be taxing it. We don't have to be regulating. Okay, I, I'll tell you what. A little bit of regulation isn't a bad thing to the degree that it it preserves quality, okay? It, I, I think, you know, there's, there's drugs out there laced with fentanyl. If all of a sudden you legalize all drugs and you have certain safety regulations in place as to quality, that part's actually a good thing. I'll, I can go along with that. I'd back that. But I don't think that they should have onerous taxes. You know, maybe it's something that is subject to a sales tax, like so many other things. Th there are certain things you can do. But we need to make these things available to people. And government needs to just, for the love of heaven, get out of the way. Amen. I mean, that, that would be the best course of action. And we need to look no further then the government response, uh, we could go a lot further, a lot, we could go decades, a century further, but let's focus on the here and now, the recent present. Okay. Just look at what they did during COVID. I mean, it, it's remarkable how much damage was caused with their response to the virus Absolutely. as opposed to what it actually caused. Yes. I mean, we're looking at, we're, I know you know this, Joe, we're looking in this fall. So, all through this year, we've we've relied on last year's harvest of, mm -hmm. of crops from farmers. Mm -hmm. And again, bringing it home to Pennsylvania. Agriculture is mm -hmm. a big deal in Pennsylvania. But as we approach the fall, and we're already seeing it here in my state of Mississippi, which I'm from Louisiana, but we live in Mississippi. So okay. 
there there will be food shortages. They're predicting in mostly third world countries an extra 100 million people dying of starvation from a supply chain crisis that we caused absolutely our response to COVID, which didn't do anything because on record from the cdc we still have over a million dead from or with the coronavirus absolutely the response is always worse the answer is get out of the way and let the market work itself out there's no different with cannabis Uh, it's medicinal even when it's recreational People are yes. still getting the medicinal side of yes. it. Okay? It's mm-hmm. the number one organic anti-inflammatory uh, medicine on the planet. Absolutely. Number one, mm-hmm. indisputed by a long shot. And mm-hmm. so how close are you guys to getting it completely? And I'm 100% with you, Joe. I, I talk to a lot of people. They're like, we need to legalize it. We need, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Decriminalize it. Yes. Okay. If you yes. drive around a freaking Ford Escalade or a Cadillac Escalade. I mixed my two cars up there. Uh, just made out of cannabis with tires that roll. You, that should be perfectly okay. You don't Absolutely. Need to legalize it. Just make it not a criminal offense to possess it, distribute, mm-hmm. or consume it. How far yeah. are we away from Pennsylvania? I, we're getting closer. Uh, they have fought it every step of the way. But as I said, they're talking about it now because they see a new tax revenue stream. Uh, there is at least one bill that's uh, being floated out there to legalize it. Again, my advocate, I advocate for full decriminalization. I, I uh, responded, took on Governor Wolf recently. I saw where he uh, or one of his people on his behalf tweeted that uh, we, we need the time has come that we need to uh, legalize marijuana. And I pointed out to him, I said, wow, Governor Wolf, uh, just four years ago, when you were running for election, um, you quote, you know, the quote was from you that Pennsylvania is not ready for marijuana legalization. And so I challenged him and I said, so, what, so what's changed? Well, the bottom line is that was a little sarcastic because nothing has changed. It's never been a danger. It never should have been made illegal. Uh, the, the benefits far outweigh anything that somebody could say is a danger. I can't even list one. Uh, they're only looking at it to tax it. Uh, so it's getting closer here in Pennsylvania. I think we have a really great shot at it. Uh, I guarantee you this when I'm governor, the first bill that will completely decriminalize it that comes across my desk, I'm signing that day. <laughs> Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Um, JoeSoloski.com, JoeSoloski.com, J-O-E-S-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. Thank Real you. Real quick, uh, if you want to, yes, sir, you're very welcome. If you want to have t-shirts that can start a conversation, go to D-Y-S-D-O, Disto.com, D-Y-S-D-O.com. Disto is a libertarian-owned shirt company with designs intended to start a conversation. Use code CAJUN15, C-A-J-U-N-15, for 15% off your order at disto.com. That's CAJUN15 for 15% off of your order at disto.com, D-S-Y-D-O.com. As you can see, I'm wearing mine now. It says, Dangerous Liberty Over Peaceful Slavery. So these are some of the conversations that we can have with random people in the grocery store or in the you know, Dollar General Isle or whatever it is that you, wherever it is that you are. When we talk about these things like decriminalizing uh, medicinal marijuana, just uh, cannabis in general, decriminalizing. And then talking about how what Joe's saying right here is if we legalize it, you wind up with X, Y, and Z from government interference versus decriminalization. So if you're looking for an availability to uh, start a conversation in random areas, trust me, I've had many of them with wearing controversial t-shirts please check them out uh, joe i thought that was a perfect opportunity to get into that second sponsor right there cool so I, I, I excellent a stab at it uh, and don't forget y'all that joe is the longest running sponsor of this show so please go check him out joesolowski.com <laughs> thank now, you joe <laughs> yeah you're very welcome i want to uh ask you about what's happening with with you specifically in pennsylvania mm-hmm. and y- when you and I first met, well, I mean, we talked a lot longer before we first sure. met. You've always been a great friend and a really great dude. And I think 
that everybody can see that that's that's obviously obvious okay thank you so what happened yeah you're very welcome you're, you're very genuine and authentic and that is something that i can gravitate towards and i hope everybody else does i think that's the only reason most people watch this show is because i'm genuine authentic i'm gonna have strong opinions but i'm genuine about them so um you are the you you're a libertarian minded individual yes yes and very much so something happened yeah obviously yeah. very much so a libertarian minded individual um and something happened through the whole election cycle of basically yeah. everywhere around the country when it comes to the lp so how did you wind up running in the keystone party and mm. then give us a little background tell us the differences between the keystone party and, and the lp well, first of all, the Keystone Party is a wonderful new party that just started here in Pennsylvania. We will be taking the party national after November 8th, right after the election. Uh, we, I, I've often called it the next natural evolution of liberty. Now, uh, that's not our slogan, but I refer to it that way. Because with the LP, with the Libertarian Party, uh, the wheels have fallen off this year. And it, it ain't pretty. It's a shame. Uh, it affected me at the convention this past March. Uh, as you oh, probably recall, uh, I was the first one in this race to, for governor. Uh, I entered the race in December 2020. And uh, it's been a long, fun haul. Uh, but when I got to the convention, uh, things went awry because uh, there was a particular caucus, the Mises Caucus, who now controls the Libertarian Party. Uh, they were not in my corner because I would not bow to them. Uh, I think they are detrimental to the cause of liberty. And uh, their leader, uh, a gentleman who started that organization, actually stepped up to the mic to nominate somebody else to run against me. He had every right to do that. Um but the gentleman, unfortunately, had a criminal record as a, uh, a sex offender, and uh, they must not have done their vetting very well. Uh, long story short, they eventually uh, got him thrown off the uh, nomination ballot, not due to his past, but due to the fact that he didn't meet the residency requirement of all things. You, you have to be living in this state seven consecutive years minimum to run for governor, and he had not. So uh, the, the Mises group decided to vote against me uh, and put nobody on the ballot for governor. Uh, so I left that convention and the people who I really am close to, the, the, the true hard workers of the uh, Pennsylvania Libertarian Party, they were leaving also. And uh, these are the people that achieve ballot access. These are the people that caused Pennsylvania to have more elected libertarians than all other states in the nation combined. These people are workers. These people are doers. And they love individual rights and liberty as much as I do. So uh, I could not be part of forming Keystone because I'm a candidate. I was precluded from that. But they put the work forward to start the party. As soon as it was official, I changed my registration. And I'm now the Keystone Party candidate for governor. I'm your better choice for governor, your independent choice. And uh, you'll see me on the ballot this November 8th. It has been uh, something I didn't anticipate initially, but it has turned out to be an amazing blessing because I can now focus not just on running, but on expanding liberty, expanding personal individual rights, not just here in Pennsylvania, but throughout this country without the LP drama and the LP disaster that has taken place in the last few months to a year since uh, that particular caucus seized power of that party. Uh, I don't have to deal with that anymore or the people that made it all very, very difficult. So that's a quick capsule about what happened to me. Keystone is, uh, check us out, keystone.party. Do a search for us, we'll pop right up. Uh, our uh, platform is there. If you are a person who is very liberty-minded, very individual rights-minded, someone who's more interested in solutions to the problems government has created, believe me, we are the party for you. 
we have uh, at this point 24 states that have reached out to us and are interested in uh, forming their own Keystone affiliates. So I think in very, very short order, we will have half of the nation organized. And I think in just five short years, you're going to see the Keystone Party achieve more than the Libertarian Party did in its first 50. Well, uh, you know, obviously that's going to be left to be seen. I'm still very much a libertarian, although I'm a understand uh, back to a, a small L. I, I don't pay mm-hmm. dues to my state, and I don't mm-hmm. pay dues to my uh, to the national LP, and there are, there are no specific reasons for that, mm-hmm. right? But I still I represent the libertarian brand, not because of the party, but because of the principles. Yes, okay? exactly. I point out to people, it's not just a party. It is a philosophy. It is an economic and political philosophy. So when somebody says, yes, I I adhere, I agree with libertarian ideals. Hey, me too. I'm I'm right there. Uh, That is what's going to save this country. When you look at the party, that's another story. And there are great pockets here in this country. New Mexico is one of them. They just disaffiliated from the LP. Uh, I'm guessing your state party is wonderful. Indiana is another. Uh, They have been able to resist this takeover madness of the Mises caucus and still be that libertarian party that we all knew and loved. And if it's those people that cause the libertarian party to resurrect itself and become the, the great third largest party that it became here in this country, it's going to be those people doing that hard work. Um, unfortunately, they're going to have to do an unnecessary amount of damage control, damage control that never needed to have to be done. But that's what the Mises caucus has, has uh, influenced and thrown on the LP. And it's a, it's a rotten shame. Uh, a lot of us loved it there. A lot of us really felt we fit there. But they're turning it around in very short order. And uh, I don't want to be along for that ride. Uh, like you, very liberty-minded. And I will be that way till the day I die. Amen. Yeah, we all know that for sure. Um, I want to get to this comment. But before I do, um, it's, it, the comment says, will not running a candidate for governor ruin ballot access for the LP? I'm assuming he means in Pennsylvania, since it sounds like that. Uh, the Libertarian Party is not is not going to have a candidate for the LP. But let me say this before we go ahead. I, they do. They do. Let me be clear. Uh, of course, you have the two candidates that are Republican Democrat. There's three more. There's three more. There's Keystone, your best choice for governor in Pennsylvania. We also have your Green Party candidate, uh, Christine. Uh, DiGiulio, if I'm saying her last name properly, she's the Green Party candidate for governor. And the Libertarians have also nominated a candidate. Now, it was questionable whether they could or not, but I'm not pursuing that. You know, when they chose not to run a candidate for governor at the convention where I was nominated, uh, the bylaws at that time basically indicated, well, then you're not running anyone this year. Uh, The new leadership Uh, of the LPPA then had two uh, quick emergency meetings in the ensuing two weeks. And they then nominated someone for governor and the Libertarian Party did manage to get that person on the ballot. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who is that? Well, never mind. Oh, his name, the gentleman's name is Matt Hackenberg. I have not met him personally, but he is their, uh, he is their candidate. That sounds familiar. Mm. Now, uh, I, I want everyone to know that I'm not anti-Mises. I'm, I'm not against Mises. I think there's some very good, you know, things about the Mises caucus. I think there's a lot of kinks to be worked out. And like I was telling my buddy on the phone, I'm hoping they can work that stuff out, you know, over the next coming months, hopefully shorter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, transitions are always tough, but. For sure. For sure. There, there, there's there's a proper way to go about some of this stuff. And personally, when it comes to Pennsylvania specifically, I'm not a big fan of how that was conducted. Mm. And I made that very clear to 
certain very high level leaders of the Mises Caucus, and I'm hoping that they can take that to heart and say, mm-hmm. you know, that was not done well. You mm-hmm. had a, a great candidate in Joe Solosky, the guy yeah. sitting to my left on screen. That maybe you're right on screen. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, not 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 a big fan of what happened. To uh, to put it mildly, that being said, again, I'm not I'm not a Mises hater. I'm an, I'm willing to give them some time. We'll see how it works out. Hopefully, it works out better. But I did think that that was a, a pretty obvious and uh, and you know really kind of a, a a bad failure on their end is what they did to Mises, or I'm sorry, what they did to uh, Pennsylvania with you, mm-hmm. uh, Nicole Schultz. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think Liz to Williger as well. Well, Liz, uh, Liz, what a fantastic candidate for Congress. Liz is. <laughs> probably one of the hardest working people I know. Uh, I don't think I can hold a candle to her as hard as she works. And she's constantly involved in community projects. She she puts her money where her mouth is. But uh, she decided uh, on her own personally to step away because of uh, personal family decisions that she felt needed more attention okay. than a congressional run. I anticipate uh, two years down the road, we see Liz's hat in the ring again. And uh, that'll be a lucky thing for all voters. Yeah, absolutely. Because Liz, um, for me personally, Liz is one of the people that I picked to be one of the strongest candidates for the first Senate uh, and congressional nominees that we could get absolutely. as a party. And so absolutely. Um, that's, why, that's why I asked you genuinely, because I wasn't sure what happened there. Hmm. But I was told by third parties which I'm going to always take that with a grain of thought, grain of, sure. grain of sure. salt. That's why I asked you specifically, right? And Absolutely. I was told that she was she didn't receive the nomination and and all this. So, in, in short order, um, yeah, I don't. I think Pennsylvania was kind of a disaster, and so it is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. And hate, and I all the hate my way, but I I admire you giving uh, current. LP leadership a chance. I think that's very, very fair. Um, I was in a position where, uh, especially as a candidate, I was not in a position to do that. I didn't have the confidence in them, especially here in Pennsylvania. In another state, possibly, possibly, you know, uh, and and the party still has had some great candidates, you know, Uh, and like I said, you've got Cassie Rowland in in Indiana. You had Ginger Grider in New Mexico, just to name a couple. Uh, yeah, we could go on and on. There are pockets that are still very, very effective. And I hope that these people are able to um, resurrect the party and make it all that it can be. Well, I'm hoping. Um, I, I, I think it's possible. And again, like I said, not to get down into all the semantics and details of x y and z of what the shortcomings are of the the transition over the last four months mm-hmm. which some of some there are a lot to to outline in detail there are a lot but mm-hmm. in short order uh transitions are tough so i'm gonna give them some time that's just me that's there who you I go. Am. I, i'm not gonna be some emotional reactionary and y'all aren't right you're running for office that's completely sure. different so I don't ah, absolutely that's completely different. You're running for office, so you had to do what you had to do to make sure that Absolutely. you're put on the ballot and Absolutely. a candidate for office and change the landscape of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which changes the landscape of freaking America. So well, nothing yeah. taken away from there. But for the other people, no, I'm not going to be reactionary emotionally and just get all out of work. I'm going I'm to give some time and give some chance. Gotcha. Um, but on my when side, to- go, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say on my side, Keystone is going to be that catalyst. I uh, would uh, recommend all your listeners check out Keystone.party. Uh, you will uh, see everything that we are about. You're going to, if you keep your eye on us, you're going to see a lot of growth, uh, a lot of positiveness. We are a great place for you to land. We are desperately wanting to be that home. For independents who have felt so disenfranchised by the duopoly and other parties, we want to be that home for the those independent voters that are looking for a place that actually works well for them. 
No, I love that. Very much so. And I think we obviously laid out earlier with if it's just strictly fracking, natural gas, uh, cannabis, that, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, your decision to move on to the, to the Keystone Party, which was basically created by a, you know, a handful of libertarians mm -hmm. to, uh, to make sure that you're still on the ballot. Uh, it's not some sort of anti-Mises movement or anything like that. It's just, hey, look, we don't like how, what, what and how went down. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make sure that we have our opportunities to make our voices heard. Absolutely. Uh, uh, there shouldn't be any question in that manner. So I want to ask you, what, what differs between the Keystone Party and the Libertarian Party and how would you like to see your party grow while also, you know, obviously supporting libertarian principles? Well, like I said, we're all about pursuing solutions. Uh, we desperately need solutions. We desperately want to appeal to independents and bring them more so to the table so that we can influence uh, electing great candidates to office. Uh, let's face it. Uh, more than 50% of people in this country do not associate with either Republican or Democrat. Right. Uh, we want to be a better home for people to, to land and to operate from. Uh, we think our platform will speak well. We're very careful in the fact that we're, we're always advocating for individual rights, individual liberties. Uh, but at the same time, the, the Keystone platform has left candidates individually to be able to talk about certain issues about how we specifically stand. We don't have to adhere to a specific party mantra or platform. There's a lot of flexibility here and we think that's very, very attractive. That's a big difference from where the Libertarian Party has operated from. Uh, Libertarian Party was a very, very bottoms up organization. Uh, whereas, you know, typically Republicans and Democrats are very, very top down. Uh, on paper, that really works well, but we saw what happened in the last year with the different takeovers where the bottoms-up approach actually worked to the detriment of those particular states. Uh, we don't have that in our formation with Keystone. Uh, we have safeguards against that. Uh, but the more important thing is the work we're going to do to be electing great candidates in every state and to make this a national movement in short order. It's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to being able to have these conversations with you uh, in the future, looking back at that moment retrospectively on all the accomplishments that we've made. I, I absolutely 100% agree because uh, quite from a personal, just intrigued standpoint, right? Like, mm -hmm. Let's put politics aside, okay. kind of because it's still political but it's amazingly intriguing and fascinating to watch you you know y'all start a, a new party with mm -hmm. very libertarian ideals and fundamentals and start it from the ground up and let's see how it goes and where it grows and and in each state and at each time i absolutely look yes. forward to to speaking with you in the future as well absolutely um, i think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and look if you're mad about that, get over it. Look, it's it's a, a brand new political party. It's going to be interesting to watch to see where it all blossoms and grows. Absolutely. Or even fails. Who knows? It's going to be interesting to watch. So mm -hmm. make sure we maintain the open mind, y'all. That's all Absolutely. I ask. But I do need to. There's a great comment here from the lunatic libertarian Cajun. Okay. Asked Joe, should Pennsylvanians pay for energy? Or should the lease contracts include that energy that comes from their land? That's the question being asked of me. Energy yeah, is energy is a commodity. And if you're a company that is extracting energy, be it on Pennsylvania land or otherwise, if you're extracting that energy, uh, you now own it. And if you're going to sell it to the open market, obviously, there's going to be a price charged. Uh, I don't see where um, 
you know, I, I could see his question where he's saying, oh, maybe Pennsylvania should get a break because it's taken out of their own their own uh, subterranean land. Uh, messy issue. Uh, I think that's a slippery slope. I think we need to let the market uh, prevail here. And if I'm running a energy company that extracts natural gas, guess what? I'm the one putting the risk out there. All my investors, you know, if, if we don't do a good job, if we fail, we go out of business. Uh, likewise, if we are doing a great job and we can extract that natural gas and get it to market, we have every right to charge a price for it and to make a profit, hopefully a very, very good profit. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And I can guarantee you that and I know lunatic libertarian very well. Uh, or I wouldn't say very well, but, you know, pretty good. We're friends. Good guy. I've been good on the show. Good guy. Yeah. I expect that that's the answer he was looking for. So ah. just to clarify, uh, <laughs> it's not, it was not a setup question or a gotcha. It mm. was uh, probably more of a layup for you to slam dunk that as you did. Oh, so, well, I just, I just gave the Joe Solosky perspective. Well, <laughs> yeah, that perspective of yours, Sir Joe Solosky has been, uh, has been very great every time I've ever talked to you. So, Let's end on this because we only have just uh, about eight minutes left. And it, 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 it really is just kind of for fun. Okay. Somewhat. Right. Yeah. Although, albeit very potentially dangerous for the country. Uh, what do you think about everything that's unraveled over the Trump raid over mm. the last few weeks? Because, are we going to start just arresting our political opponents for ambiguous well, adventures or, you know, we could obviously arrest our, our former politicians for real things like mm -hmm. bombing brown kids overseas war crimes. Yes. A, a blatant war crimes, which every single president, including Biden, Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Carter, all of them going back to basically Woodrow Wilson. So what, what are we doing? What do you see this as? How dangerous is it that we're setting a new precedent in that? Or are we completely clear? I, I, I think we just don't know. Because look, on the one hand, you could say, okay, uh, maybe this is someone like Joe Biden and his administration going after a political opponent and weaponizing the FBI for that purpose. Okay, that argument can be made. You have the other one that says, wait a minute, if Trump actually did take files, documents with him uh, of a very sensitive national security nature that could compromise the country, compromise safety, uh, that raids warranted. Uh, there's two arguments. They both sound great. Right. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, the only thing I know to do is to suspect both sides at every turn, because one thing they've proven to me in my lifetime is they cannot be trusted. Uh, the moment, you know, I, <laughs> when I think of growing up, I remember being in class as an elementary school kid, middle school, senior high. You know, they, they taught you certain things and you were basically proud of your government. I think we all want to trust our government. I think we all want to be proud of our government. They just again and again and again give us no reason to. And that's, right. that's clearly obvious to every citizen, I think, in this country. Um, and it's a shame. It wouldn't be difficult for government to be great. It wouldn't be difficult. Uh, all they have to do is make it less about themselves and more about serving, more about us. Uh, they need to rein in their spending. They need to cut taxes drastically. Yes, they need to stay out of other people's business and quit waging wars that have nothing to do with us. They need to quit passing lousy laws that criminalize holding on to a little plant called marijuana. And I, I point out to people, there's never been a government prohibition that's worked. It's never solved one problem. One time. Yeah. And right now, uh, like one of my opponents here in Pennsylvania, the, the Republican uh, candidate, he wants an absolute, no exception, ban on abortion. 
What a disaster that would be. And I'm a pro-life guy. I think most of all of us are deep down. But if you ban abortion, all you're going to do is the same thing every other prohibition does. You're going to create a black market for abortion. You're going to force people to go to another state. You're going to force people to get it in a risky situation. You're going to compromise the health of women with that ban. And you're not going to prevent even a single abortion. Uh, nasty uh, policy on his part, but he's pushing it. And the people that back him seem to be backing it. Very dangerous. I don't trust government. And uh, when I see these things that happen uh, since the Trump raid, yeah, you can look at both sides. I don't think we know all the info yet. There's the problem. Right. Yeah, no question. We don't know all the info yet. Um, it's just I, I, I'm concerned about I don't let's be honest. I, I really don't care what happens to Trump. I'm not I've never voted for Trump. I never will. Mm, right. He, he's not a guy for me. OK, he's, he's just not. My concern is, is that if we frog walk Trump out of Mar-a-Lago and put him in jail for uh, for a president that has clear planetary broad sweeping mm. declassification um, powers mm. right but we're not going to do some do that for Hillary Clinton who did not have those plenary mm. declassification powers mm. she did not have those th that authority okay I don't necessarily care about the hypocrisy I care about the reaction sure of what follows from a large swath of people mm -hmm. that let's be real we've seen what this administration is willing to do mm -hmm. i don't want violence because violence right. will rain down it gives this administration every excuse to rain down the rest of their tyrannical uh, regime that they mm -hmm. in authoritarianism that they want to so that's my biggest concern. That's why I ask you, honestly. No, I don't know what happens to Trump. It's a legitimate uh, concern. Let's face it. If, like you say, if, if they drag him out in shackles, uh, it's going to be for a lot of people January 6th all over again. And we're probably not yeah. just going to see it on the Capitol steps. We're probably going to see it in cities across this nation. Right. Now, yeah. I could be dead wrong, but you can imagine how that could happen. And, uh, I don't know. It's it's a nasty situation we have, and it really points out how ugly things have gotten within the duopoly. You know, they govern together, and yet they create this constant hate for each other. We, ladies and gentlemen, we desperately need to be electing third party candidates. You know, if you uh, vote for Keystone, vote for Green, vote for Constitution, vote for the third party that most closely parallels with you and your beliefs do a little research until we can get third parties in there and i would like to see several uh, we're not going to be able to finally hold the r's and d's feet to the fire we desperately need third party and and then beyond that i want to see ranked choice voting amen absolutely 100 um oh my god we're out of time but i'm gonna have to get into you get into <laughs> that with you on the next episode let's do it again I, 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 yeah, absolutely, 100%. I have to talk to you about that, RCV, because I'm a huge fan, but I feel like I don't know enough. But every bit of information that I do learn, I love it more and more. So, absolutely. yeah, great pitch right there at the end for ranked choice voting. RCV, check it out, y'all. Call your senators. Call your legislators. Make sure that this is an option for you. Joe, yes. we're out of time. Can you please tell us all of the things that you need from us how we can follow you and how we can support you, please, sir. I just need you to check me out because I'm your better choice for governor of Pennsylvania. My website is joesoloski.com. That's right, joesoloski.com. <laughs> Honestly, log on, check me out. Everything that I'm running on and trying to put a spotlight on is, is right there on my website. Uh, you can donate there. Uh, let's face it, campaigns are expensive. And uh, if you're able to uh, loosen up a few... A few bucks for my campaign. It's going to go a very long way for us. So please log on, check me out. And more importantly, get informed. And I hope I can earn your vote on November 8th. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much, man. You are you. always 
a pleasure to no thank you you're always a pleasure to be around i've met you unfortunately only once in real life that was fun uh, as somebody yeah as somebody who has um yeah i pride myself in the in the good sense of pride not the arrogant sense but pride myself on a good uh person of quality you know discernment right discernment being able to look at someone and, and see that interaction and yeah. and say yeah that's a good person or that's you know somebody Very i cool. probably shouldn't trust and joe you've always been that person that stood out to me as you can disagree with certain things politically. It doesn't matter. You mm -hmm. care about people. Absolutely. You're a very genuine and authentic person, a very caring, smiling, and loving person at all times, which is something that I personally appreciate. You got so it. I really do hope that all of you go check out joesoloski.com. That's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com, joesoloski.com. For Gavna, the key to Pennsylvania's success. For governor, yeah, I love saying that for governor. But uh, is there anything else that you have to want to throw our way before we get out of here, Joe? One last thing, Noel. Let's do this again. This is always fun. I would love to do this again with you. No, you got it, man. You got it, Joe, for cool. sure. Um, Fantastic. You, you absolutely have every spot that I have available, you're there, bro. No Thank worries. You, you got you. it. Thank you, Joe. You're amazing. Thank you for coming on the show. And we look Good forward time. to uh, seeing what happens in November and hopefully expanding your reach and in, in really overall expanding the access to liberty that the state of Pennsylvania has because everybody wants to talk about New York. Everybody wants to talk about California. Mm. But Pennsylvania is one of those states that when they set precedence of liberty, the rest of the country will follow. Absolutely. Very purple state. So, Joe, Absolutely. thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't wait to look. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Joe. Thank you to everybody that showed up. Absolutely incredible. Go look at joesoloski.com. See how you can and want to help. You can cross-check all the candidates there. This is, this is the one thing we we appreciate about being third party is that we don't just stick to somebody because they have a, a, a certain mascot by their names. That's not what we do. That's why we're third party. So if you're the candidate for governor or candidate for lieutenant governor or any other um, race in Pennsylvania or any other state in this country, if you're not big fans, go check out who else is running. Just don't vote for R's and D's. <laughs> I mean, look, if if they're that good, then yes, I guess so. Like, right, if if Thomas Massey was running in my state, I'd vote for him. If Tulsi Gabbard was running in my state, I'd vote for her. But you're talking about very rare exceptions. Vote third party. Vote for the people that don't have the advantages that the system provides to the absolute freaking corruption that is the duopoly. Look further. Vote further. It has to be done. It has to be done immediately. I will see you later on in the week with another segment from the Cajun Libertarian. And with that being said, make sure you get yourself armed. Make sure you get yourself trained. Because you don't know what could happen any day or any time at all. With that being said, check out GapArmory.com. Gap Armory carries a wide variety of parts and accessories. Whether you're looking for, for build kits, for 3D printed firearms, optics, outstanding level 4 body armor, or anything in between, they have you covered. Gap Armory is libertarian owned and operated. They also accept Bitcoin. Gap Armory has the gear you need to bridge the gap. In your defense preparedness, get what you need today at GapArmory.com. That's GapArmory.com, G-A-P-A-R-M-O-R-Y.com, GapArmory.com. And that's going to do it for us here tonight. I love each and every one of y'all very much, and I will see you very soon. And as always, I love you, and I am.